0: what is up what is up folks it is wednesday and we are here with the takeover podcast live as always each and every wednesday at noon and i've got one of my closest and dearest friends with me today i've got jory blackmer from mid The and mortgage is here because we have some interesting things to talk about today and it's funny jory and i were just saying like oh you know we already know the agenda and itinerary to talk about today because we've done this so many times and we're so close but um, to, without further ado, I got Jory Blackmore. Jory, thanks for being on the show with us today. As always, we love you. So what's up, my guy?
1: Not much, dude. Not much. I really appreciate the opportunity to be up on here and talk with you, you know, uh, throwing some information back and forth and uh, hopefully, you know, give some information, uh, good stuff to, to whoever's watching, you know?
0: Yeah. And that's one of my favorite things, man, is we, we love to give this, uh, this show is about you guys, right? It's about not just the agents, not just the brokers, it's about our clients, our family, our friends, and whether or not we're giving you guys solid advice or not. That's why we bring on the professionals, right? So let's get down to the meat and potatoes. Should I buy right now or wait, right? And this goes for both agents, brokers, and clients, right? Everyone's talking about interest right. rates, hikes. jewelry. explain to us what's going on in this crazy market right now.
1: Oh, man. Oh, man. So, I mean, obviously, everybody's heard that inflation word, right? Um, so inflation, inflation, inflation. It's all been all over the news, right? And so one way we kind of tackle the inflation and get rid of it is being, uh, you know, a, a, a Increasing rates, making things a little bit more expensive. So one of the things the Fed is doing is they, they've they said already announced that they're going to be increasing rates uh, three to four times. Right. Um, you know, a new report came out in January that said inflation was about 7.6 percent growth, um, which probably indicates some more um, rate hikes. But just from the three that they've already announced, the four that they've already announced um, through their meetings, we saw a very volatile and very rapid movement from like low threes to the low fours. Right. Um, and so, it, it, I mean, that's that's where the rates are at. I mean, we the first time we've actually seen the first four percent since 2019. So two, three years ago. Uh-huh. Um and it's crazy because we've, I mean, dude, we've been working with buyers for, I mean, I've been in this industry for six years now, but I mean, I remember there were times when they were in the three, high threes, the fours, the fives. I even got somebody a six one time back in 2018. And then we got down to like 2.125, all of that stuff. So now you're getting buyers that are getting in the market that, rem- that are talking about where's the low rates, where's the low rates. And they've, that ship's kind of sailed for right now, right? So Um,
0: it's funny you say that, man, because my plan last year was to refinance and I kind of like botched it, right? Because last year we were like mid uh, high threes and now we're in the low fours. And it's funny because when I did do my original remodification right after the hurricane that came through, I'm already sitting at 4.25. So now for me, the only reason I do it is is to do a cash out refi, right? To take some of my equity
1: out. So Right, yeah. Which are they're super popular right now too. I mean, I've got, I've I've been doing cash out refinances left and right. I mean, they're good, but yeah. I mean, if you're looking, everybody's looking for the low rates. I mean, they'll be back one day, but when? I don't know. You know, it's it's pretty remarkable to see how quickly they moved up as soon as somebody's like, all right, we're going to move. You know, we're going to move them. The, The market immediately priced it all in.
0: So in comparison, though, I mean, historically, should somebody be carrying this much with this interest rate hike? right now, I'm not talking about in six, seven months from now, because that's, that's going to be another topic we talk about, but like right now in this moment, historically in comparison, yes, interest rates are high, but tell me your opinion on that.
1: I mean, yeah, they're, they're higher than what we were being baby to. Right. So like, you know, if, if all, you know, if all I fed you, like if all, if all I ate all day was like filet mignon from like the time I remember everything, every day I met like ate, uh, I I ate filet mignon. But then all of a sudden, somebody gives me like, I don't know, a flank steak. It's not going to be the same exact steak. It's still steak, right? So it's good, but it's different. It's not as it's not as soft, creamy, whatever. So the same thing with the rates. The rates historically, four is a pretty low rate. You know, the average rate historically is around the 6% range. So we're still lower than what the historics are. We just came from a beautiful, beautiful two-year period where everything was low. It was, I mean, you were basically free money, right? Um, the rates were so low that, it really, it, buying a $600,000 house, I mean, your interest was pretty minimal, 400000 300000 so on and so forth. So, you know, buying right now, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a sticker shock. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to like it, especially when your mom, dad, aunt, uncle, brother, sister, cousin bought something a year ago and they got a 2.75 or 2.5. But at the same time, I mean... The prices and some of the stuff we're going to go over in a, in a little bit. I mean, the prices in the supply and the demand, I mean, it still indicates that even if the rates are going up, the prices are still going up, too. Right. So, yeah. you know, what are you are you waiting for that opportunity to get in at a lower price? Yeah, you might scalp through maybe like a quarter of a percent or maybe an eighth of a percent, but you're not going to be getting that, you know, 3.5. It's, it's just not going to happen.
0: So let me ask you this, because I get this question a lot lately. I've been discussing it with one of my clients who's coming in in the next month, right? Into town. Um, a lot of people are buying down their rates. Let's talk about that option, because some yeah. people have the ability right now to go ahead and maybe get a little bit better of an interest rate simply by buying it down instead of paying the money in the long run. So... Tell tell us what your thoughts are on that. What's it look like cost wise? Like, how does that line up when it comes to people actually buying down the rates right now to benefit and, and not have to see their mother, their brother, their uncle, their daughter, their sister, their brother? I think I said brother twice, but the, you can have two brothers um, you know, <laughs> um, compared to last year's uh, interest rates. Right. So let's let's talk yeah. about that and that option, because that is an option right now. So let's how does that look?
1: Yeah, no, 100%, man. So I mean, it's all rates are all based. I mean, rates, they're just based off of program credit score and, and, you know, loan size, right? So I mean, obviously, there's some other, you know, not to get too complicated to do a podcast. Nobody needs to. If you want to talk about nitty gritty, we can sit down one on one or like whoever's listening, we can sit down one on one to really dive deep into it. But like you know let's just say we have a, a pretty solid client 740 10 percent down conventional loan and their base rates a 3.99 or four percent essentially right and they said you know what uh, Dan Jorah, I really want to get a 3.75 there's no like specific you know amount that 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 person's gonna pay it's not like it's a it's a flat fee it's just based off of that market that day and so maybe it's costing 3.75 maybe it's costing 4500 bucks right the, what I what I always tell my clients is, paying your rate down, it, it has to it has to come back with an ROI. You have to have a return of value on that cost, right? Because you know I could technically sell you a one point seven five percent, but it's going to cost you eighty nine thousand dollars. It might save you three hundred bucks a month, but what's the cost of eighty nine thousand dollars in comparison to three hundred dollars a month? You know, you'll never see the return of investment ever. I mean, even in the thirty years, most likely you'll never see it. Yeah. So. Um, you know, it's when it comes to buying down the rates, it's a good idea. I, I personally bought down my rate. I think it's a great idea as long as the ROI is there. As long as that return of investment, what am I spending upfront on my cash to close and to get that rate in comparison to what am I saving over the long run? Um, and that's essentially what we go through with our clients. I know you do the exact same thing because you know, when we work together, our clients are like, Dan already explained that to me. I'm like, Great, makes my job easier. <laughs> well, I mean, all of it,
0: it makes it a lot easier because of the transparency and the honesty from both the sides, right? Because it screams professionalism. And that's one thing that I, I'm proud of our relationship is that when our clients like are done with us or through with us with that purchase, they're always like, they always say the same thing, right? It's always hey you guys are the most honest and transparent even if we didn't like it i'm like listen that's our job our job isn't to sugarcoat it it's to teach you the way and what's best for you whether it's the easiest or not um i love what you said about the roi because i was recently discussing this with this client that'll be here next month right and he built and bought a home where he's currently moving from and this home he's only lived in it for a year and a half so he's like i thank god that i didn't buy down my rate For that house. He's like, because it would have been a waste of money because I was only there for a year and a half. So that is key and important if you're looking at buying down your rate. If you don't, if you don't plan on living there very long, it might not make the most sense, right? Like Jory said, across the spectrum of 30 years might not make sense. But if you are it's gonna be a short-term thing for you, it might, it might not be the best idea to buy it down, right? So if you're gonna live there long term, definitely consider that. Ask your lenders because or ask Jory because like the reality is this. Not many people know you can do that. Everyone thinks that the rate they get is the rate they're stuck with. That's not the case. You have other options, right? If you've got a few extra thousand lying around for this opportunity, make sure that you question your lender and ask them in regards to the interest rate and if you can buy it down the points. So, Jory, let's talk about market, where the where the rates are heading, what our predictions are. We don't have a crystal ball, so take this disclaimer as a serious one we have no clue <laughs> this is just a theory based on what we see we don't we don't we are not telling you what 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 you should or shouldn't do when it comes to these interest rates and the future of the market but jory i love to hear your thoughts i'm going to i'm going to pitch in mine afterwards when it comes to theories and where we're going
1: yeah brother yeah so if i did have a crystal ball we would be so rich. It'd be great. Um, <laughs> and we're getting into some muddy waters here, but cause everybody has a different opinion, right? Yeah. You know, there's, there's the people, there's the people that scream, you know, the recession, recession, and you know, they could be right. They could be wrong 99 times, but that one time they they're right. Everyone's like, I told you so. I told you so easy to catch. But so, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, we could start off with current market. I mean, obviously, you know, we see what's going on in in just a generalized statement, right? In in the full U.S. economy, we've got inflation. Obviously, there's a possibility of a war going on and wartime in the U.S. has never, if we look historically, it's never been beneficial for any economic purpose whatsoever. Um, You know, typically you'll see a small recession, but it bounces back very, very, very quickly. Um, So there's a lot of weird things that are going on and a lot of it's not controlled, right? A lot of, You know, COVID happened. Inflation started going up. You know, people started not working as often, which slowed down, uh, slowed down the ability to provide, um, you know, supply. And, you know, there's still high demand. People are still spending money. There's a lot of stuff that kind of just snowballed effect. But what happens with, you know, what happens with all of that stuff in our market and how that's applicable to us is like we just talked about rates are going to go up rates are they have to go up we have to get control of inflation we have to be able to um, you know kind of hinder this and, and taper this off right so rates are going to go up personally I would I mean I know it kind of sucks and it might be a little bit scary but I wouldn't be surprised if we saw you know some buyers getting like 5.25 Os I wouldn't say super qualified right but I mean you might get you might get a couple of buyers that have five points to get 5.25 O's by the end of the year um, so low fives. When it comes to the actual market itself though, right? I mean, you know, you're I know obviously pick pick your brain on this too, but some of the research that I've been doing and, and stuff like that is I mean, the supply is just still not there. There's just nothing on the market to buy. And the demand is still remarkably high. And even with new home construction, I mean, you know, we were, there's, there's just, they're building them, but they can't build them fast enough. They're doing highest and best. It's no longer, Hey, come pick out your property. Let's look at the kitchen. What do you want to put in there? What type of tile? It's like, I'm going to build the house and whatever you want to pay for it. Everybody just pick a ticket and throw it in. Right. And so, you know, with Fannie Mae, normally historically rates go up and, uh, and prices come down a little bit. Right. And so what Fannie Mae is saying, um, that I just got off a report from, is um, there's, st- I mean, they're still expecting a, a value increase of 7.6 this year now, not yeah, as right. aggressively as 2021. I, it's just 21 last year, yeah, I know, right, <laughs> dude. Last year, everybody was looking at their properties and they're like, honey, we're millionaires, you know, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> like we bought this house six months ago, yeah. so um. But uh, but yeah, they're still saying they're still saying that there's an expected increase of seven point six, which is pretty average, right? That's a normal year of growth. Um, But one thing that really caught my eye, and I had to write this down because it was it was pretty it was pretty uh, it was pretty uh, eye opening, and it's from Fannie Mae themselves. So it says it said Fannie's Fannie's remarks on inflation to remain high and the price growth will continue adding to adding that it's unclear. To what shifts the economic and housing markets over the past two years will remain permanent. So what I got from that is what what part of what part of the economic and housing growth will remain permanent. So they're saying it's gonna grow 7.6% this year. That's what they're expecting. So did Zillow, so did Realtor.com, so did a bunch of other people that say that we still expect some growth. But the one thing that stuck out to me is, you know what will remain permanent, right? Does that mean we're not gonna see as much growth because that's that's relative to 7.6% of growth. Last year was like 30 freaking percent or whatever it might've been. I mean, it's remarkable. But the other part was, you know, is it going to come down a little bit? You know, just like the way that I think about it is, it, is it's like stocks, you know, if you have a stock that's just absolutely, well, I guess it's this way for the video, but <laughs> absolutely soaring, right? And let's just say it was sitting down here like 30. And then all of a sudden, it just soars up to like 150. At some point, it's going to come back down, right? But it might not come down to 30 again, it might stop at 90. Right? And so the same thing with houses, it's going to consolidate at a certain range, it might not be, you know, as high as it was, but it's going to consolidate at a lot higher of a spot than where we were before. And the same thing goes for ours. I mean, you, we don't know. There's like Again, we don't know what the crystal ball is. There's evidence to say that we're going to continue growing. I don't think we're going into a recession of the housing market, especially because of foreclosure. I mean, dude, the equity in these properties is insane. It's nothing like 2008. People are making their payments. We have A-rated buyers. People who are, you know, if we're going to give everybody a report card, Ds and Fs, right? They can't necessarily buy. The yeah. underwriting is too damn hard, right? Well, they're
0: getting pushed out by all the people that are the A-rated buyers, right? So they're getting pushed yeah. out by by fifty thousand over, seventy thousand over ask, and 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 waiving appraisal contingencies. So
1: yeah, I, dude, I, I'm I'm gonna give a quick story, real quick. I was looking at I was looking at a a, a second home up in uh, this place called Blue Ridge, Georgia. Right? Mm-hmm. It's like a tiny, it's like a tiny little town. I'm sure many people have heard of it, but it's a tiny little town, like a little mountain town. There's like their downtown is like. One street no joke i swear to god if you had like two revolvers on each on each hip you would hear like that western music play They're...
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's,
1: it's like one road right but the houses up there are like six seven eight hundred nine hundred a million right i found a house that was like 450 and i was like i really want to put an offer on this i really want to buy this one this is a perfect vacation home i love to be able to take my family friends whatever and i was like all right i'm gonna go aggressive. i know this market I'm a loan officer. I know exactly what I'm doing. I was like, I was like 585, no appraisal, close in 20 days, blah, blah, blah. Right. Offer denied, 675 full cash offer, two day close. And I was like, what? In the middle of nowhere, Georgia. Like imagine what, I mean, Orlando, dude. I mean, tell us, I mean, you're seeing it front in front and center, right? Like you, I mean, mean, you were just talking
0: about new construction. We're having them change the plans. I had a builder this week. That we had two clients on a waitlist, right? And they were saying it could be anywhere between three, one and, one and three and a half months of finding out when the next release will be. Well, they sent us an email Sunday night saying, We're only releasing three units on Monday and we're no longer doing a waitlist. So if you have clients on a waitlist, that waitlist doesn't exist anymore. So what we're doing is we're calling for highest and best, like as if they're just listing it on the market like normal, right? So yeah. they said, We need your highest and best by Thursday. And I was like, Wow. Then I was shopping with another buyer, right? And we're looking, he wanted to design out his home and all these builders are saying, hey, we're no longer doing design centers. The builder is having so many issues with materials and permitting that they're just gonna spec out every home. They're gonna tell you what the options are and then you're just gonna say whether you want it or pass, right? And that's the name of the game. So when you've got this, this setup, all these different criteria causing and the variables causing this, this situation, it's literally the law of sl- supply and demand, and you know, again, in, in the last re- recession and housing crash, which was back in 2008, they had a lot of different variables. And sure, the supply was 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 lower than the demand as well. The difference is exactly what you're saying: is that people are capable of doing this, and there's so much equity in these homes that should anybody go into foreclosure, they wouldn't go into foreclosure. They would just sell the right. home, liquidate it, take their cash, and then either go rent or find another home that's maybe more affordable for them. It doesn't exist anymore as far as this concept of like, oh, we're just gonna wait. I keep saying this to people because I have people message me on a regular basis. And I want people to hear this very loud and clear. There's too many of you with money in your pockets, praying for a crash. In 2008, nobody was praying for a crash. Everyone was like, my life is over. Literally is what people were saying. If there's this many of you out there right now, praying for a crash saying, I I can't wait because I have all this money saved up. There's too many of you saying that for the scenario to exist, right? When the foreclosures start lining up, which they're not right now. I mean, they, people were screaming last year, there's 7.5 million in, in forbearance. Well, guess what? We're down to like a million in forbearance. And they're all able to make their, their payments, right? There's Dude. a guy on TikTok. I literally follow him just to comment how wrong he is. Did you see
1: that thing? Did you see that thing about it literally I think it was like last October they announced the highest foreclosure rate since COVID started? But what they didn't take into consider what they their 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 new not news, but like their headliner, if you dove into what they were talking about, they were comparing from COVID. Like from March oh, of yeah. 2020, and because because everybody was on forbearance, the co- the forbe- the foreclosure numbers basically went to freaking zero, and so they went from March of 2020 to like uh like uh, October of 2021, and because like maybe I don't know 1,200 homes went on into foreclosure, like the highest rate of foreclosures since blah blah blah. But you're not taking anything other than this tiny little time frame. Because I'm if you look T- at the real numbers, they were remarkably lower after COVID than they were before COVID.
0: I'm going to tell, tell everyone a good snippet here for a
1: tip. Stop reading the
0: headlines, start doing the research and the data and seeing what's really behind it. There's a guy on TikTok. I follow him just to correct his misinformation—it is really bad out there. I don't know if the man gets a joy out of just scaring people. I really, truly think that that's actually what he does—is just getting a joy out of scaring people because he's the one that was like, "Oh, get ready for the crash. Seven million in forbearance." Well, it wasn't a true—it wasn't a true foreclosure, right? They were just in forbearance. Now that number went down to like a million across the entire United States. So we went from seven million down to a million. Okay, so you so you lied, and we're having an issue here because you're just scaring people. Into whatever you're conning, I don't know what his con is because I don't I don't look into it in that detail. But people pay attention to the stats and the details, right? Because that's what truly matters. Again, we don't have a crystal ball, but this man went from like seven million down to a million in a matter of like two months, and it's it's not all real when they're yeah. trying to scare you for things, right? Now, do I want everybody to list their homes? Sure, and that's another factor, <laughs> right? If this, if the market was really coming for a crash, let me let me pose this this scenario, right? You don't think the investors would list everything they have to liquidate. That's what they do with stocks, right? When they see something happening, they liquidate their stocks then the stock plummets then they rebuy and then it goes back up, right? Because they they buy high and sell low as opposed to the general public. When you see them start liquidating, maybe we should have a conversation about liquidating, too. But instead, they're doing the opposite, trying to buy up as many homes as they can, as many neighborhoods as they can. So I would I would highly advise people to, to be very cautious about where you're getting your information from.
1: Well, that also brings up a solid point is, and this was one of the things I just read into the other day, um, you know, kind of like conspiracy theory, like I'm not going to be, I'm not going to dive too deep into it, but the part that I pulled from it was actually factual. The rest of it was like, you know, the, the the upper echelon of families are trying to rule the world type. I was like, okay, get that out of here. I want this stuff. But um, with this, this little tidbit that I found, it, you know, I'm sure you guys have, or I'm sure you've read into like how BlackRock and these massive hedge funds have been buying single family properties, right? Zillow tried to do it and uh, we all saw, saw how that went, right? Yeah. But BlackRock, yeah, yeah they, they did terrible. But BlackRock yeah, right. is, like the I would say, the l- world's largest hedge fund. Uh, you know, don't quote me on that exact number. I mean, let's just say top five easily, right? Mm-hmm. But they're absolutely massive. And, I read this thing the other day that back in 2008, these massive hedge funds were leveraged 38 to one. So for every $38 I borrowed, I had $1, right? I borrow 38 from you. I only have $1 to give back. Right now, they're at a leverage of 100 to one, right? So almost triple. But the reason why they're not, and this is just, again, and these are actual factual numbers, the reason why that they aren't too worried about what's going on. As you see the stock market reacting to stuff all the time, but they're not worried because for the past two years, they have been buying single family homes left and right. They have built up a billion, multi-billion dollar portfolio of single family homes. And what do hedge funds do? If If I'm not comfortable in this position because I'm not doing well, I hedge myself with a safer position and what's the safer position single family homes real so estate. real ah! estate exactly exactly and so it's not you know the, there's a, the world's always going to have its ups and downs right there's there's nothing is ever going to be perfect but if you follow the breadcrumbs of what the big guys are doing or you know make you know people people are always saying i'm waiting for a crash i'm waiting for a crash i'm waiting for a crash like we just talked about the foreclosures are all remarkably low the forbearances are de- de- depleting by the second getting being underwritten is harder than it's ever been. I mean, it's always been, it's always been hard after 2008, but I mean, especially after COVID right when COVID happened. I mean, dude, do you remember when we were talking about doing a refinance for you? Show me your, show me your, show me your, that, show me, explain why you're going to be making the money you'll be making in 10 years from now. How do you explain that? You know, like, so like, that's the, the underwriting is as hard as it's going to be right now. People have a ton of equity in their property It's just, there's just so much evidence to say that it's probably not. And we might go through a rough patch, but to, you know, to be afraid to the point where you're not going to buy. My my theory is there are
0: certain areas that are going to suffer drastically. I don't think it'll be like on the scale of, you know, 2008, 2009, but you guys got to also take a look at where you're buying and selling, right? Florida is, is one of the best places right now. And investors are here galore from inside the United States and outside the United States. But then you go to counties like LA where they just extended the eviction moratorium. So, you know, these people haven't been paying rent to their landlords who owe a mortgage for over a year and a half. Right. And they're saying they just extended it to the end of 2023. Expect some foreclosures to pop up over there. Expect some stuff to, you know, if I were a landlord, you're not paying me rent and I'm screwed. And I got to pay this mortgage. I might let it go realistically, or I might sell it. Because I can't, I'm not making any money. So it is what it is, right? So I'm going to cut my losses. In those areas, I think people should expect to see some opportunity over there. But then again, we're still relatively cheap compared to those areas anyway. So, you know, you're still winning over here. But, yeah, Jory, as always, man, I am thrilled that you joined us. Um, Thank you. I appreciate your knowledge and all the wealth that you always give us. Folks, make sure you tune in here every Wednesday at noon. We have Jory on recurring like pretty much every month. So make sure you tune in to find out what's going on next month. And uh, with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Love you, man. And we'll see you guys on the next TakeOver podcast. Take care, guys.